and welcome to episode 10 of Your Ageless Musical Brain. My name is Lucilena, and my very special guest today is a sought-after speaker at international conferences and symposiums, a program director and founding teacher at Dance for Parkinson's program of Mark Morris Dance Group. He serves on the board of Davis Finney Foundation and the Georgetown Lombardi Arts and Humanities Program, as well as the Dance and Creative Wellness Foundation. He is a founding member of the Dance for Health Committee at the International Association of Dance Medicine and Science. David has led classes for people living with Parkinson's disease around the world and has trained more than 2,000 teaching artists in 25 countries in the Dance for Parkinson's disease approach. He received a 2010 Bessie New York Dance and Performance Award for his performing career with Mark Morris Dance Group. David, it's an honor to have you on the show and welcome. Elena, it is such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me as your guest. The pleasure is all mine, David. This show creates heightened awareness, David, of how dance, music, and the arts influences and helps benefit our brain health and wellness through the years as we engage in these activities on a consistent basis, long-term, which is key. Tell us why it's more crucial now than ever for us to take dance activities more seriously. Well, I think the first reason is that there's much more research on the impact of dance on the human body and the human brain than we had before. Just in our program alone, there are more than 48 peer-reviewed studies on the impact of dance on people with Parkinson's. Wow. And once you start to enlarge uh, dance and into many other populations, you start to, to see a pretty robust literature on the ways that dance can positively influence physical health, mental well-being, cognitive health, and social uh, belonging and interaction. So as our society becomes more and more complex, and as we are living longer and starting to confront some of the challenges of aging, particularly with the um, more frequent onset of neurological conditions like Parkinson's and dementia, as we live longer and we're more, more vulnerable to those conditions, we need all hands on deck for helping all of us age gracefully, age well, and age in partnership with medical treatments, but not only relying on them. So I think the ways that dance and the arts can supplement medical care in maintaining well-being and maintaining physical health, maintaining mental health um, is really compelling. But going back to the research, you know, when we start to look at some of the data, you know, there was a 21-year study that was funded by the National Institute on Aging, and it found that people who danced a few times a week had a 76% lower risk of dementia. Wow. Now, this is a condition that we can't treat very well, right? Medical treatments, pharmaceutical interventions don't really do much for dementia. So if we can, we, if we have an intervention that can help stave off or slow the progression of dementia, that's something we should look at. And it turns out that that's actually dance. When we looked at a three-year study on people with Parkinson's dancing once a week, we found that a dance for Parkinson's class significantly slowed symptom progression. Now that means we can't stop Parkinson's. Parkinson's is a neurodegenerative condition for which there's no cure. But if we can slow down that progression and give people a better quality of life for longer, that's a significant finding. And that's a significant reason to be dancing. But above everything, dancing is enjoyable. It's social. 
it it gets us off of our screens, right? It gets us interacting in the way that we humans are designed to interact with each other and with, with our bodies and with music. You know, it's something that we've been doing as a species for millennia. And there's a reason that it survived in us as a species. One of those reasons is because it is such a social connector, gives us a sense of belonging. And as we fight a pandemic of loneliness in our society across the age spectrum, something like dance can really help to fight against the, the isolation that I think people of different generations are feeling right now. Wow, yes. And you said loneliness because we can dance alone. And I mean, it has great effects on the brain. I also realized that thinking preventive from what I'm hearing you explain, then that means that if we think in preventive terms and help ourselves, if at any moment we feel depressed or feel down, just change your state and move. Wouldn't you say, David? Changing changing yeah. your state through movement yeah. Is, yeah. is incredibly effective. We see this across the spectrum from kids living on the autism spectrum that I've worked with, from older adults who are quite sedentary. Suddenly when they start to move and they start to move with music, because I know this podcast is about the musical brain, yeah. right? When we become musical beings through our bodies, through dance, it completely changes how we see ourselves how we see the world around us, and how we're able to cope with with challenges. Uh, I see this in our Parkinson's dancers every day. People coming into the room with a, with a lot of challenges, a lot of burden of the condition, and leaving with a sense of lightness, a sense of grace, a sense of rhythm that, again, it might last for an hour, might last for a day, might last for the rest of the week, but it does transform. It does make a significant change in how that person is uh, oscillating and vibrating in the world. And yeah. and sometimes even for even that change for an hour can reset us to see things differently and to give us a sense of hope. Yeah, exactly. And also helps with depression, right? We think about preventing, right? Yeah. And, you know, we're only just starting to understand the connection between yeah. the body and the brain. Yeah. You know, we are decades behind where a uh, specialty like cardiology is now, but that's also because the brain is a much more complex organ than the heart. And it takes a lot, many more resources and tools to really understand. But we're starting to see how connected they are, how much the brain influences the body, but also reverse direction, how much the body can influence the brain, particularly in movement. So moving can absolutely change change our brains, change how we how we view ourselves and change our, our mood. Um, and that's, that's significant. Right. Yes, absolutely. So is there a difference, uh, David, between dance medicine and dance science? Oh, that's a great question. Well, you know, uh, yes, I, I would say that dance medicine is the specialized field that helps treat dancers, professional or recreational, helps treat dancer injuries in a way that enables them to perform at their highest level. So I would say the, the equivalent of dance medicine would be sports medicine. In fact, I would say there's a lot of uh, comparison between the two because it takes a special kind of approach to treat dancers who have very specialized injuries and who who can't wait to get back to dancing and performing. Dance science is related, but I would say dance science is a much broader field because it incorporates the study of the impact of dance on the body, on the brain, and really understanding the neuroscience of dance. So I would say that the research on dance and Parkinson's is part of part of dance science, right? That's part yeah. of understanding why dance can be a powerful tool in helping people with neurological and other physical conditions. And that's where we fit into a bigger 
field, but um, I wouldn't call our program dance medicine. I would call it um, perhaps dance as medicine or dance for health uh, for sure. But dance medicine in the context of the International Association of Dance Medicine and Science is really focused on medicine for dancers. Awesome. Thank you for that explanation. And aside from helping people improve their motor skills, David, does the Dance for Parkinson's approach also help with brain health, for example, uh, such as reinforced learning or remembering a dance move or steps in people with Parkinson's disease? Yes, it does. We've, we've seen this anecdotally and also in some of the research. Um, so in addition to physical benefits that include uh, improved balance, uh, improved gait, in, uh, reduction of tremor, and improved functional mobility, through dance participation, we are seeing some, some research on dance and cognition, particularly as it pertains in Parkinson's to executive function um, and to episodic memory. So you asked about sort of that, that idea of remembering steps, and you wouldn't be surprised to hear that, yes, in the research we see that dance can actually help people improve their episodic memory, that is, remembering things in a sequence, because dance is a language. When we're dancing, we are moving in movement sentences. And just as I'm speaking now, there's a certain sequence of movements that make a kind of logical sense. It's a sequence that a teacher might might teach in a class and then practice several times and then uh, encourage the class to do it together. Now, if somebody does something out of sequence or they change it, that's no problem at all. We, we, are, we are certainly not uh, rigid in our approach to sequencing and episodic memory. Um, in fact, one of the benefits of our program is that we welcome and value all kinds of movement and all kinds of approaches to the movement that we're facilitating in class. It's a very accessible and inclusive approach. But whether you're stringing together two moves or eight moves, you are going through the cognitive process of of that kind of sequencing and then having to remember those moves, which is something that is a challenge for people with Parkinson's. And that's why it's something that's really good to work on in class. It gives people a chance to practice those skills and to use uh, devices like imagery or narrative or musical phrasing to help them remember those phrases. We also see that uh, dance, as I said a little earlier, positively impacts psychological symptoms. So some of the research has picked up on changes in anxiety and depression yeah. In, yeah. in Parkinson's, as well as quality of life. These were all significantly improved through uh, a dance for PD intervention. And, you know, anxiety and depression are perhaps less obvious in Parkinson's than tremor or balance issues. Those are things that people wear on their bodies, they're very visible, but in some ways they're more pernicious because we don't see them. And depression and anxiety can can dramatically impact somebody's quality of life, the way that they interact with other people and their families, um, yeah. in their communities. So if we can start to address anxiety and depression through through movement and dance, then we're, we're really onto something. And you know what, too? The, uh, the fact that people are socializing, right? When they see others dance, they, they could be dancing by themselves, but seeing others dance, then they don't feel awkward. They feel they're part of a group, wouldn't you say? And that actually helps promote better well-being as opposed to being alone and feeling depressed. Yeah, absolutely. The socialization. We're yeah, the socialization is about knowing that you're not going through this alone. Yeah. Now, of course, that can happen also in a support group. But yeah. I think there's something really special that happens when we are moving together as a community. Yeah. There are bonds that form non-verbally yeah. um, when we're moving together to the same rhythm. This, this sort of rhythmic entrainment 
as a way of creating community is something that's been studied anthropologically and sociologically. So we know that when we move together as humans to a, to a, a unified rhythm, we are creating a, a real sense of connection and, and sense of belonging. Um, and you feel it when you're in a dance class, even if you're not doing every move the same as everybody else. So, yeah, I think the social part is really huge, particularly with a condition like Parkinson's, where people tend to become more socially isolated. And some of that has to do with being uncomfortable going out in the world. They're not sure if they're going to have difficulty getting back home or they're not sure if their physicality will be misinterpreted um, and people will, will stare at them or people will think they're inebriated. Right. So there are all kinds of reasons that people with Parkinson's tend to stay out out of the public sphere. But this class is a, is a, a safe space where they can really feel that they don't have to explain anything to anybody. They are there. Um, they are accepted for who they are. They can share. Uh, they can express themselves and they can really feel that they're part of a community. Mm-hmm. And I think there are enormous emotional benefits to that. But we also mm-hmm. use physical uh, sort of social cues as a f- physical motivation. So instead of just sticking our arm out, we say, can you reach to somebody across the room? Can mm-hmm. you pass something to somebody next to you? Right. So those social cues are also prompting physical activation. And it's a it's kind of this wonderful cycle that happens where social prompts can motivate physical action and physical action can foster and sustain a sense of social belonging. So it's a beautiful ecosystem. Thank you, David. And David, you also co-produced five uh, volumes of very successful at-home instructional video series for the program. And you also pioneered a very innovative project named Moving Through Glass which is a dance-based Google app, I understand, for people with Parkinson's. Could you tell us about this exciting innovation? Sure. Well, uh, the videos really came about because we realized that there were people who were not able to get to a class, but who still wanted to dance. And so the, the, the videos allowed us to invite them into a class that they could put on in their living room and danced along to. And of course, during the pandemic, that expanded into live uh, interactive video through Zoom, where we um, and still do have live Zoom classes um, most days of the week for people to engage uh, where they are if they're not able to get to an in-person class. The uh, Moving Through Glass platform or or project was really a way for us to explore possibility of people having a portable movement coach with them wherever they move. So imagine if you're living with Parkinson's and you encounter something quite common in Parkinson's, which is freezing of gait. That is the the inability to to take a step forward, the the inability of the brain to signal properly the body to to take a step, and you end up being stuck on the floor, like your feet are actually glued to the sidewalk. So we thought, well, we know in class that we have effective techniques to help people get moving again, Um, imagery, rhythm, sort of a choreographic plan. So we thought, what happens if you take that those cues, you put them on a video that somebody can actually wear on a pair of smart glasses Wow! so that when you get frozen, you could say, okay, glass, unfreeze me. It's all verbally activated. And then the video will start and it shows you a dancer starting to shift weight from one side to the next. Yeah. You'll hear the music and you can actually use this dance-based prompt as a way to get moving again. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. It's very interesting because, right, yeah. it's like surreal. You see, like you see a person in front of you, right? Yeah, you see. And they're a the ones that are they're guiding the moves. That's very awesome. 
Exactly. Because we know that when you're living with Parkinson's and you're dealing with some of these challenges, having really strong external cues, visual cues, auditory cues, tactile cues can help you get moving again. And so by seeing a dancer in front of you and by hearing the rhythm, uh, the idea is those are two really strong prompts to help somebody break out of a freeze. Um, this was a prototype. So obviously it's, you know, there's, there are definitely some challenges in the technology, uh, but we're really interested in, in taking this to the next level. And we'd love to find, uh, you know, a development team and also a funding team that can help us really explore this idea and make it a, make it a usable uh, consumer product for people with Parkinson's that they can actually use in their daily lives and, and bring the, the skills and uh, strategies that dancers use into their, into their daily mobility. That's why I'm so grateful you're here, so that together we can create more and more heightened awareness. Shifting a little bit, I'm curious, since you've been a speaker in different countries, how about Latin America? Have you gone to Latin America to speak? Because, you know, you, we're all about the spicy movements, right? Salsa. And yet, I strongly feel that there's still a lot of stigma surrounding the meaning of when it's appropriate to dance, at what age it's appropriate to dance, and when it doesn't look right, at what age it doesn't look right to dance anymore. What can you tell the Latin Americans that are hearing us now about that stigma? Yeah, well, I think dance is everybody's right. And I think particularly um, Latin dance styles are so inviting. They're so, uh, they're perfectly designed for older adults, for people with Parkinson's, though perhaps at a slower tempo, because they're they're rhythmic, they're recognizable, consistent patterns. They deal very much with balance and weight shift. You think about salsa, um, think about uh, bachata or rumba, like all of these styles incorporate weight shift. There has been a lot of study and research on Argentine tango. Um, and Parkinson's, because Argentine tango is is a walking dance that focuses on balance. It requires awareness of balance and directional shift at all times. It's improvisatory. So we need to be able to be very present in our bodies as we're making those choices. So people living in Latin American countries are blessed with incredibly rich musical traditions, um, music that is really dance music. Um, among other things. So these rhythms are supportive. We use them in our class, even when we're not doing Latin dance moves, yeah. because those uh, those rhythms and the quality of complex syncopated rhythms that, that are coming out of the, the Latin American tradition are incredibly inspiring for dancing. So I think, you you know, there there's this rich cultural tradition. Uh, I would love to see more dance for older adults and more dance for Parkinson's um, in Central and South America um, and North America, of course, because Mexico is in North America. But um, we're starting to see more interest. We're starting to see more people train with us. There are currently programs um, in, in Venezuela, in Brazil, uh, but we, we want to see more. We do offer a weekly program in Spanish that oh, really? is offered on Zoom. And we wow. have participants and those those classes, which are offered every Wednesday, uh, incorporate Latin dance styles, Latin music. They're taught by bilingual teachers um, who are incorporating these styles. And we are welcoming in participants from the U.S., Mexico, Guatemala, Ecuador, Peru, Chile, Colombia, really? oh, all wow. over the mm. Spanish-speaking world. So um, that's that's a way that 
people can start to engage, but we'd really like to have more community-based program programming in um, uh, in Latin America. So wow. I'm hoping I, this will create a spark. Oh, of course. And speaking of that too, I just started my Your Ageless Musical Brain version in Spanish as a podcast. So that's a great idea, right? So we can continue creating value to communities in Latin America as well. And you know what? The Afro-Cuban beat, the African beat intrigues me a lot as to how the brain is triggered, like that uh, a certain part of the brain that is triggered in uh, EEG scans when people are dancing fast-paced dance music mm. of any kind. So that I always promote is start as young as you can. And because you are older, it doesn't mean that you have to stop, right? It doesn't mean that. On the contrary, you have to continue. You know, it does promote neuroplasticity in the long run. It also means... I think that we can start dancing at any age. And mm -hmm. I know that that's true because we have a number of people in our Parkinson's classes who have never danced before and they're starting at age 70. And some wow. of them, uh, you know, you talked about the stigma of dance. I think, I think a lot of them have lived that through their lives, particularly men, you know, particularly men in the United States who are, who are not accustomed to dancing Um, and for whom it might have been something that they they never thought about. But now that they're diagnosed with Parkinson's and their doctor tells them that they should be dancing, they're full into the fully into the class. I mean, they're they're all in and and fully committed. They never miss a class. And they they ask me, you know, how did I never discover this before? Why has dance never been part of my life before? So, you know, I, I'm I'm so happy to hear that, but I'm sad as well because I think about the ways that dance could have changed their lives yeah. 50 years ago. Exactly. But I, I am glad that they're they've engaged it now. And and people tell me time and time again, they're so glad that they've been able to find dance through Parkinson's um, because otherwise they they probably never would have entered this world. And it's a beautiful world. Yeah. So what message do you have for those that say, I can't dance because I'm not musical? Mm. Interesting. Well, I can I can say that even though we feel that we're not musical, our brains are actually wired for music. We're one of the few species that actually That's is the human DNA, right? It's in our human DNA, right? You don't have to you don't have to know it or like it or or have any training in it. It's in the brain. It's in there already. So the question is uh how do I get out of my own way yeah. with my own hang-ups about dancing or not feeling comfortable with a beat and just allow myself to feel free in that class. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Leave the, leave the ego outside. No yeah. one in this class is judging you. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about the dance for PD class. No one is judging you. The participants aren't judging you. The teachers aren't judging you. No one. You're there just for you. It's something you can do for yourself. And we encourage people who've just walked in to just explore it. Just do do what feels good. If you're shy or you don't feel like doing everything, no problem. Just sit and listen to the music. Enjoy the music. We we have live music in, in most of our classes in New York. And so there's great music going on. Enjoy the social interaction. Do a few moves. And that's it. And what we find is over time, people start to do more and more because they start to feel less inhibited and more comfortable. But really, you know, we all are born dancing, or at least we dance as kids. We don't really think about it. And then at some point, we feel the pressure of society saying, that's not for you. Yeah. Well, well, who who is saying that? Why are people saying that? Dance is an incredible 
incredible, you know, an incredible human gift. It's something that we can do. Very few species have that Mm -hmm. gift. And now that we know that it's also really good for us, we should all be dancing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Promote the joy. David, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Awesome. And I look forward to more of these kinds of conversations so that we can uh, promote this learning that so many people need to become more and more aware, you know, and get rid of the stigma that for many, many years dance has meant um, in different parts of the world. Thank you so much. And you have a website. We do have a website, danceforpd.org. Thank you so much, David. We'll be talking very soon. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, thank you. It's been an honor. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.